0: Today's translation missionaries are typically finding themselves plugged into ongoing translation work or at least helping with founding a new translation project. They need to know enough about translation to be able to support a project very shortly after arriving in the field.
1: Welcome to the Essentially Translatable podcast brought to you by Lutheran Bible Translators. I'm Rich Ferdowski. And
2: I'm Emily Wilson. And we want to say a big old thank you. 10,000 listens, actually over 10,000 listens now.
1: We are very thankful.
2: You guys are awesome.
1: It's been a lot of fun. Uh, Yeah. And um, yeah, sure. You made it happen. You did. And speaking of making it happen, we love your comments. You can comment uh, on the podcast. If you use the Apple Podcast app as a place to comment there, otherwise you can take your comments by email at info at lbt.org. And um, it does work. Yeah, it'll get there. And we also, not only your comments about episodes, but ideas for content. And today's content came from an idea from one of our listeners, Chris P. from South Dakota, who suggested that? we talk about.
2: Oh, yeah, he asked if we could talk about training. Like, yeah. what does it mean to be on the field before the field? Like, okay, what, what goes into it? So we responded with a big old yes. Right. Yeah, so we interviewed Ishni Vite and Tiffany Smith, so Ishni Vite is our training coordinator here at Lutheran Bible Translators, and she provides support for not only missionaries, but also staff, being able to enhance our skills with further training and just development. So uh, she has been working with Tiffany Smith, who is a pre-field missionary. So Ishne and Tiffany both have actually been in Botswana. Ishni served for a number of years in Botswana with the Weyeyi translation team, And Tiffany was an intern there for almost three months. So she had a little background, but now she's at Morelands College in the UK. So yeah, lots of interesting content as they talk about what their experiences have been like internationally, but then also on uh, skill development.
1: Yeah. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this conversation with Ishani Veit and Tiffany Smith.
2: So today on the podcast, we have training coordinator Ishni Veit and pre-field missionary Tiffany Smith joining us on the podcast. Welcome, ladies. Hi. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) So where are you in the world? We're in different areas, all all of us, all four of us. So where are you in the world right now? Um, I am currently in England doing my missionary training, Uh,
3: so... I guess more specifically, I'm in Christchurch, which is about 2 hours like southwest of London. So, taking a train to London would be about like an hour and a half ride, 2 hours. But, yeah, near the coast, it's beautiful actually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> rainy, but beautiful.
1: <laughs> yes, and speaking of rainy beautiful places, Ishni, where are you?
3: <laughs> <laughs> I'm in
0: uh, Bellingham, Washington, just north of Seattle, which is yeah. It's rainy. It's
2: <laughs> <beautiful>. <laughs> yes. So can you share with us what your respective roles are right now? Like, so as a pre-field missionary, Tiffany, what does that look like for you?
3: Yeah, basically my my job right now is to prepare myself for a job on the field overseas, which for me is, God willing, Botswana. And so although my training isn't always directly or specifically related to life in Botswana, it is preparing me for the life of a missionary, work in Bible translation, language and culture learning, all that kind of stuff. So, and it's not just physical preparation. For me, it's also like spiritual preparation as well. Yeah, just kind of getting into the right mindset for this career path that I am now on.
1: And how long have you been In Christchurch doing that?
3: I've been at Moreland's College, Moreland's uh, Christian College, which is here in Christchurch for since the end of August. Um, Mm -hmm. We started courses the first week of September and we're just now coming out of our Christmas break. So I have about six weeks left of Mm -hmm. the the training course that I'm
2: on.
1: Okay, so in total that will be about six months? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: And what about for you, Ishnee? What is your role as training coordinator for Lutheran Bible Translators like?
0: Well, um, I basically coordinate training. For, <laughs> I just did a bad thing. You never yeah, that's right. in a definition for something, you never use the same words that are in the term you're defining. But I'm—I'm I'm just going to run with it. So I, I coordinate training for LBT staff, so both office staff and missionaries. So I I help people in various roles figure out what skills they should develop, and I help find them a path to develop those skills. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that means directing them to external training programs. So for missionaries, there are uh, other Bible translation organizations that have pretty well-developed training programs, such as the one at Moreland's that Tiffany is attending. Many of these are at graduate school level, like Moreland's. And we typically send new missionaries to programs like these for their pre-field training, or at least part of their pre-field training for many of the technical skills that are associated with Bible translation. But I also do in-house training as well. I help manage CMI, Concordia Mission Institute, which is our annual week-long training event for office staff and missionaries that's held in Missouri. I support our global translation partners as well. So, for example, I've developed Curriculum for and taught students at the Makani Yesu Seminary in Ethiopia, which has a Bible translation track in their Bachelor of Theology program. Mm. And the first cohort of that program is due to graduate this year. So Yay. I'm pretty excited about yeah. that.
2: Sometimes I think Ishneo will be of a shorter answer to ask what you don't do. So. <laughs>
1: And she's on auto train. She even did something wrong, and then trained us why it was wrong in the middle of the (laughs) the whole answer. So, anyways, um, so let's talk. There we go. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, we want to talk a little bit about the necessary components for pre-field training. You know, to kind of start that, talk about an example of what you learned as a pre-field missionary, and I think we'll kind of get into how your own missionary and field experience shaped how you view the task of pre-field training.
0: Yeah. My training was a little unusual because I knew I wanted to be involved in Bible translation before I'd even heard of Lutheran Bible translators. So I started with a bachelor's degree in linguistics, which isn't typically required for LBT missionaries to get a whole bachelor's degree in that. But after I joined LBT, my My training included more advanced linguistic subjects like semantics and discourse analysis. And I also studied Greek and exegetical methods at a seminary where I was a teaching assistant for a a summer Greek course as well, because one of the best ways to learn something is to try to teach somebody else that (laughs) thing. And I also took a few courses related to my husband Rob's work. I took uh, analysis of non-Western music and vernacular media program planning. So, which, you know, again, this is not normal, <laughs> but it, w- it was really good for me to do some of that because it helped me support him in his ministry on the field by understanding what he was talking about when he talked about certain things. So that was good. Apart from the academic type training, I read some books that were assigned basic missiology type stuff, general missiology. And I watched a series of videos on self-defense and security for risk management in the field. And as far as training before going to the field goes for the first time, this was really it. That's basically what I got.
1: Okay. And then for the sake of the listeners, I guess talk a little bit about your missionary experience, you know, briefly how long you were there kinds of stuff you did and how that experience then shapes how you view your task of preparing others for the same kind of work, maybe different kinds of work. I
0: went to Botswana with LBT in 2007, and I was there for 10 years working in Bible translation in a in a translation project in Maun with the Wiyai Bible Translation Project. So I helped get them started in doing translation into the Shiai language.
2: Can you share a little bit about, like, with your experience in Botswana, that kind of shaped the way you actually approach doing the coordination of training and just really focusing in on building skills for missionaries and staff alike. So in what ways, you know, has it, was it a positive impact? Like, oh, you know, this is what I actually learned and this was the application or what did you almost feel like, okay, this was almost missing to be able to say, I want future pre-fielders to go through this kind of training to better prepare them for their, their service in their partnerships. And so like more technical skills and soft skills alike. Mm,
0: Yeah, I would not be able to do what I'm doing now without that field experience. To be honest, it helped me understand what if the training that I received was critical. There were things that I didn't know how to do (laughs) when I was there, that I had to figure out on my own. and, And a lot of what I figured out, I figured out by talking to my colleagues, both in LBT and outside of LBT. So I, I really, there were a lot of things that I thought, boy, I wish I had known something about that before I went to the field. Yeah. And so there was some coursework that I did after my first term in particular that I thought, this this would have been good for my situation. This would have been good prior to my first term even. So like uh, training and translation principles wasn't a part of my pre-field training. <laughs> that they surprised me. Uh, ironically, but, yes. <laughs> yeah. So I think this is because, Missionaries would typically spend the first term getting settled into their new home and learning a language, sometimes two languages. It could be the language spoken by most people in the country and then the language that they're helping translate into. And so they might not even get around to starting to do any kind of translation work at all in their first term. That was pretty common for most missionaries being sent out. And so then typically they would come back and during their first their first time back in in the states or in canada after their first term is when they would get training in translation principles but what's happening is that today's translation missionaries are typically finding themselves plugged into ongoing translation work or at least helping with founding a new translation project very shortly after arriving in the field yeah. and so it's if they if they're going to be they need to know enough about translation to be able to support a project very quickly on in their first term. And so I I had a bit of that experience myself in my first term, and and I'm seeing that that's that's very common in missionary experience now. So I do prefer that pre-field training does include at least one translation course if a missionary is going to be working in translation. Another change that's come about is that we don't just train everyone to be a translator. <laughs> if that's not what they're going to be doing. <laughs> and uh and so and and we do actually have a we have a pretty good sense of what people are going to be doing now. Mm-hmm. And we like to be intentional about placing people in projects that we have equipped them for. So we know whether or not a person is going to need to know how to analyze a language from scratch and develop a writing system like I know how to develop an orthography <laughs> and you know, that's just not a skill that everyone needs. It's kind of fun to know how, but yeah. we don't need to overtrain people. And so the idea that we train people for the job that they will be doing, that we assume they will be doing based on the context that we're placing them in, that's that's more what we're we're gearing towards now. So another big shift, though, is that we we train people not just for the work that they will be doing, but the life that they will be living. Mm-hmm. Because living overseas, there are it's just different there are different things we that we need to we need to know how to take care of ourselves in a whole variety of ways like from spiritual emotional practical so we've actually um i there was a process that i went through <laughs> a team of us got together a few years back and said what are all the things that we wish we had learned before going to the field that would have made our our everything better for the for that first term in particular And we made a list, we wrote it all down, and we categorized it. And so now we have a system, we have a spreadsheet, (laughs) so that when someone is coming on board, we sit down with them and we say, what are the skills that you have? What are the skills that we think you're gonna need? And then we create a timeline that goes from the day they're hired till the day they step on a plane and beyond. We say, these are the things, we're gonna work out a plan for you to get all the things we think you will need are there going to be surprises when they get to the field 100 percent is there going to be training that's going to be that they're going to find out oh i you know i need this but you know what if we can set them up as solidly as we can Hmm. before they go and i have a database that i collect of things that i know that it's not covered pre-field but i know it's coming someone will contact me and be like oh i've got this issue can you help me find training in this? Well, I have, I'm collecting resources all the time. Mm-hmm. But I say, oh, yeah, I've got a folder of material you can use for that just-in-time training. We can do that on the field. So, yeah, definitely. My, my experience in the field has, and the experience of other people in the field, we have a wealth of experience that people, we've learned lessons the hard way. Yeah. And we need, to, we need to be tapping into that regularly and finding ways of sharing that information with each other. And growing constantly.
2: Absolutely. So one of the points that you brought up was like, okay, what What are some former skills that you have gained in your undergraduate or maybe previous missionary experience or previous career experience? So when I first met you, Tiffany, uh, you were studying theology, but also having uh, an area of focus in English as a second language, being able to teach and to be able to network in a way with English language learners. So can you share a little bit about your previous exposure to linguistics learning and how that actually may have changed. How's your experience been different or similar? Yeah, so at Concordia, I did do
3: English as a second language for like the last full year that I was a student because I was a theology. I got my degree in theology, but I had no idea what I wanted to do with it for a couple years there. And by the time I realized, oh, I think I want to go into mission work, maybe teaching English, maybe Bible translation, which came like about senior year. That's when I decided to focus a little bit more on linguistics. But yeah, if I could change one thing about my undergrad studies, it would be to do that sooner. Even though like God obviously had his hand in everything and the timing of everything worked out the way that it did for a reason. But yeah, I wish I would have focused a little bit more on maybe just linguistics rather than English as a second language, too. Because what I'm realizing more and more is that unless you're going into actually teaching people English as a second language, dissecting the English language and learning how to teach it doesn't necessarily come in use when you're working in a, a an entirely different language. It can kind of help you to understand how languages work and everything, for sure. But I think that having more of a background in linguistics by itself would have been really, really helpful. So that's something I wish I could go back and change just about my own experience. But yeah, but with what I have, it's come into use a lot, just thinking, learning to think like a linguist and in Bible translation, I think that it's really helpful. At least it was when I was an intern back in 2019. And then here in this course, it's been pretty helpful too, because we've done a lot of like language learning and language learning strategies, mm-hmm. how to effectively learn a language when you're out on the field. And so, yeah, it's, it's come into use. And I've actually been able to expand on what I learned, because like I said, I didn't do it until really my senior year of college. And so this is kind of built on what I, my prior experience, which is really good, because I needed that.
1: <laughs> so what are some of the things that you've been learning uh, while you've been at Moreland's that you find helpful
3: yeah oh, so much but <laughs> we we started off with uh, a course called language and culture learning actually is what it was called and so like I said we learned strategies for learning a language how to the different kinds of culture um, and how to integrate yourself into the culture and how to be the best help that you can be in a different culture and how to get rid of, you know, your Western mindset and adjust to a different kind of mindset in order to effectively work and relate to other people in whatever culture that you're going to. Um, We did phonetics, a course in phonetics, which was really fun um, because that was one thing I didn't do in my undergrad. And it was really, really helpful just for language learning because, Breaking it down to just like the sounds and everything was, yeah, really, really interesting and helpful. We also did a practicum of uh, language learning. So it was only like three weeks, kind of a crash course of applying these language strategy, learning strategies that we had learned before and then actually trying to learn a language using those. And so half of the class learned kind of like a beginner's course in Syrian Arabic. And then the other half, which was the half I was in, learned Syrian Kurdish. So we had two ladies. One of them taught my class Syrian Kurdish. And it was really cool to be able to like just dive straight in. She didn't know English like very well at all. And so it was literally just, yeah, she would tell us a word and we'd repeat it back and then she'd show us what that meant. And, you know, by using pictures or items or whatever. And unfortunately, the class got cut off because of we went into isolation for a while. But yeah, so there, that was that class. And then after that, we learned a little bit more of how to work on a team once we go out onto the field, what it means to use our gifts and strengths and plan healthy planning and communication and all of those sorts of things. We did a course in scripture engagement and then a course in oral Bible storing and story crafting, which was, I think... Honestly, I think that's been my favorite so far. And yeah, now here we are more than halfway through. So it's all flown by really fast. But within all of those courses, I mean, there's a lot more to it. But that's kind of the gist of it, of what I've been learning so far.
2: What have you found the most challenging along the way? I mean, you had mentioned phonetics uh, was a first time. But Mm -hmm. also learning another language and having maybe a barrier or maybe uh, the the dialect because you were, you still are in the UK and there Mm -hmm. are some dialect differences. So what is it then that has been particularly challenging for you? Yeah,
3: honestly, I was really beating myself up at the beginning because I was one of only like two people in our entire class that doesn't speak another language. Mm -hmm. And so I thought I was going to be a huge just disadvantage. I would say that I maybe was at a slight disadvantage in some aspects, but other than that, I think I can say now that I'm living proof that you don't have to know another language to be trained, you know, go to this sort of training or get into a job like this, because you can always learn along the way. Like I learned, I don't even know how many words in Kurdish that if you'd asked me a couple years ago, oh, you'll learn Kurdish. Like, Never would have thought I'd be able to. But even just in three weeks, I was able to learn, you know, certain phrases or words just because of the teacher or because of my classmates. And so it really just depends on how much work you're willing to put in and everything. But yeah, you don't have to know a second language in order to do something like this. So that ended up being a really encouraging thing, but it was a challenge at first just because I was making it, I think, a challenge for myself. Like, oh, I don't know another language. I have no other resources to pull from when we're talking about phonetics or linguistics or whatever. But it it, act- it actually left a lot of room for me to grow, too, and a lot of room to learn. So, yeah, there are positives and negatives to it. But for me, I think the positives outweighed the negatives in the end. But it, it's been a good challenge because I've also been able to learn from my classmates and my friends, like, oh, what does that word mean? Or how do you make this sound? Because I know it's in French, but it's not in English. Like, so tell me, where do I put my tongue in my mouth to like (laughs) make that, make that noise? And how does that work? And yeah, so it ended up being a good, good kind of challenge that I could grow through.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. For the listeners too, I should just mention, if you have the chance to take a course in phonetics, at least, even if you're not going to go into any other kind of work, then there's a whole world of uh, international phonetic alphabet memes that you can be part of right, <laughs> at that point. So <laughs> yeah. now, now I know Tiffany is another person I can uh, send my memes to. So anyways, <laughs> there's so much fun. Yeah, Ishni, back in the day, you kind of alluded to this, but back in the day when you and I were going through training, LBT and probably a lot of other agencies kind of had just a standard, okay, if you're going to training, you're going to this kind of training. Talk a little bit about your thought process for how you selected this program for Tiffany based on what we know at this point about what she might be doing and what the program offers there.
0: Yeah. Well, there are, so there are several academic level, um, academic oriented training programs that have been developed by Bible translation personnel, where you can learn directly from people who are not only knowledgeable about translation work, but who have overseas firsthand translation experience. And so each program is going to have its own focus, its own features, and so when we look at selecting a program for a new missionary, we look at what each program has to offer, and then we compare it with the missionary's needs and interests. So for Tiffany, she wanted to do in-person training, and she was willing to travel overseas for a year to do so. So this was great for me, because the Morelands program is fairly new in the realm of programs that are happening. And it's got a number of courses that are being taught that I haven't seen anything comparable to it in other programs that we have used in the past. And so I was really glad to be able to recommend that Tiffany take part in that program. And I will be looking forward to getting together with you, Tiffany, when you come back to hear a full report on everything that you experienced there. So I can see how we might use it in the future for other people that are being trained. So one of the things about the Morelands program is that you you don't just give everyone heavy linguistics training, Mm -hmm. like a number of the schools are really focused on training people to to do language development, basically, as a precursor to beginning translation work. And the context that Tiffany is going to be working in most likely in Botswana, they have linguists who have done the work already at at the University of Botswana. They have orthographies that have been developed, so they don't need a linguist. They need someone to help them work in the community, and they need someone to develop how the project works. They need someone to help them with uh, Greek and Hebrew things, to help them with the the day-to-day translation work, the actual practice of translating Mm -hmm. texts from one language into another. And so, because Morelands doesn't, they give you language learning training at the beginning, and some linguistics training, yes, they do give you that, because linguistics training a bit of it is going to be helpful for a person who wants to learn another language no matter what. Right. Linguistics training will help. However, if you're not going to be writing a grammar or writing an orthography or developing a spelling system for a language, you don't need to take, you know, seven courses mm-hmm. in linguistic. Yeah. You just need to understand how language works so that you know how to work within a language and pick up a new language. So Moreland's offers that right at the beginning, and they integrate it with doing language learning. It's all happening at the same time, which which appeals to me. And then I like that the second course that they offer is about community engagement. And so it, it helps students learn to work on multicultural teams and to work with a community, not just work for a community, mm-hmm. but to help a community develop its own program, because that's how LBT is working now. Mm-hmm. We work with communities embedded in the structures they already have present within the community. And so we need to have that skill, that, that's a, I haven't seen a course quite like what is described in their description online of what the course is. And that's, and so Tiffany, I definitely wanna know all the details of that course in right. particular, because yeah. that's that's their special sauce as far as I'm concerned. Right. So Tiffany moved into scripture engagement after that. But there were there were actually three tracks that she could have been a part of. She could have done linguistic analysis. So they do have a way at Moreland's that you can learn to do language development. Mm -hmm. The second one is literacy. Mm -hmm. And a lot of programs, literacy is going to be very important. Some people want to be a literacy specialist. They can go straight into the literacy track. But scripture engagement is the third track. And scripture engagement is really the purpose of translation. We do translation so that communities will have access to and engage with scripture. And so I I like the fact that those are the three tracks that they offered. And for, for someone who's looking at supporting a translation project directly, starting with scripture engagement, after they learn about community engagement, that to me was very compelling as a direction.
1: Yes, I, I'm hearing a couple of things here. That One, of course, is that the, there's a good match between the program's values and what we value in Lutheran Bible Translators. But the second that I also want to uh, pick up on, even just briefly, is that if if somebody came along and was like, well, I can't go overseas to travel or I really like doing virtual learning, you're basically saying you probably have a solution for that as well that can be really tailored to not only what our values are in LBT, but what uh, any prospective trainee needs for for training and how they prefer to be trained, right?
0: Absolutely. I can think of immediately three different institutions of higher learning that have academic Bible translation training programs that would fit with different scenarios. So one of the ones that we've used most is at Dallas International University in Dallas. The Graduate Institute of Applied Linguistics was its primary name back in the day when I went there. And so if someone wanted to do something related to literacy or scripture engagement or translation consulting or translation work or language development. They offer all of those in Dallas. So if someone wanted to remain in the US, let's say they had um, a family that wasn't quite ready to go somewhere far away just yet, they could go to Dallas for uh, a period of time. Usually about the first, it would be like six months to a year, they would go to Dallas. If they wanted to do something similar, they could do. there's something similar in Canada. If they wanted to have a slight cross-cultural experience, and but didn't want to leave the continent, right. they could go to Canada there for a go. similar amount of time. Yeah. There's a, an online facility. So that's the Canada Institute of Linguistics at Trinity Western University in British Columbia is, is also another option. And I went there. That's where I did my bachelor's degree. And I, I love that program. I love the teachers. And I had a great experience there. And another program, then this is a fairly new option as well, would be an online program. Uh, Johnson University, through uh, Pioneer Bible Translators, has developed a Bible translation training program through Johnson University online. And so if we had someone who they needed to not be on location, and let's say they already had some cross-cultural experience, because we do like to fit some cross-cultural experience in before you move permanently somewhere right. else. Right. If they had some cross cultural experience already and they didn't and they needed to do something online or they prefer to do something online or they're able to do something online. Because not everyone thrives in an online learning environment. Right. They could do Johnson University. Okay. And so, you know, there's even there's a school in Australia, if someone didn't have to do a full Bible translation training, they wanted to go into a different role that would still require some language learning. There's, I think it's a six-week course in Australia. Emily, you did that course. Oh, (laughs) yes.
2: I highly recommend
0: (laughs) Yeah. Sounds great. The material looks good. So, yeah, Yeah. lots of options. It all depends on we're looking at trying to meet the needs of the context a missionary is going to be placed in, and also their their needs as a human being and their family's needs. We take all these things into consideration. Mm
2: Mm-hmm. And the classroom environment looks a little different than maybe what someone has experienced in the past when doing language learning. And uh, Tiffany, as the most recent lbt tier going through and doing linguistics training, what does the classroom look like? How does it differ from what you've experienced in the past with your undergraduate learning?
3: Yeah, I noticed right off the bat that overall, the classroom setting here in the which I've learned now from friends, it's pretty common throughout the UK. It's very relaxed, very informal, and especially in the program that I'm in, which is a postgraduate program, it's a lot of just you do it all yourself, like all the research at the end of every module. It's basically just, okay, at the end of this module, you have a 3,200-word paper due, you can start writing it whenever you want, but that's your only that's like the only assignment for the whole thing for like a four or five week module. So we have classes every day. And then at the end of the four or five weeks of those classes, I write basically compile an assignment or a everything that I've learned into like a, a portfolio or an essay for the class. And so it's very just like you have to be very self-disciplined, which I was not used to being in that student mindset coming here because it's been a couple of years since I graduated from college. So that was a rude awakening. Like, <laughs> oh, yes, this is what it's like to write papers again and all that. But it's been a really good, really good experience, actually, because, yeah, because of the informality and being kind of in the on this almost this peer level with my instructors, which I was not used to in the U S although they were very, my instructors in the U S were very helpful, very kind. I had meetings with them all the time, but, but here, yeah, there's just, I think because we're all, we're all adults and we're all going to be missionaries or have been missionaries. Everyone's very willing to just sit down with a cup of coffee or tea and talk about, you know, help you out with the struggles you're going through or questions you might have about, yeah, linguistic scripture engagement cross cultural living all of that. And so it's been it's been a really good experience actually. It was different at first, but it's been really good. And the class size that I'm in, especially now that we split off into two different tracks, scripture engagement and linguistics, and then there's also the literacy program, but nobody's in that one right now. So in my scripture engagement course, there's only 4 of us. And then in the linguistics course, there's only 4 people in that one so like we're talking really really small class sizes which I really really like because not only can my voice be heard and everything but it just really helps us to get to know each other and learn from each other too and it just makes it a lot more of a relaxed setting and yeah it just allows for the instructor and the students to give more time to one another and to have more of a discussion rather than, like, a Mm lecture-based class, and I really like that. That's how I learn, rather than being told, okay, memorize this, this, and this, and then you're going to take a standardized test on it at the end of the course. It's like, let's talk about everything Mm -hmm. and then just write down what you've learned and apply what we've learned into a paper that's very specific to what I'm going to be doing, which is helpful, too, because nobody wants to write about things that are hypothetical or that you're never going to talk about again. It's like, oh, no, I can actually apply what we talked about this week to what I might be doing in Botswana. That's really, really helpful because now I can actually think about that. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so I, I really liked the overall setting and structure of of the course here.
2: Right. It's almost a a class culture, like as your cohort (laughs) develops and you have, it sounded like you had a multilingual diversity within the class cohort. So it it really changes the way you interact with what you're learning about, but also you almost feel yourself doing some changing inside and the way you approach a topic. So how many countries were actually represented in your (laughs) class cohort? So at
3: the very beginning of the course for the first 10 weeks so from like September until mid November just about um there were 13 of us at one point in time and between the 13 of us there were probably I counted once it was 10 or 11 countries represented wow. because that's also including TCKs sure we have two of two or three of them who grew up in a different country other than what their, you know, their nationality is now or where their passport's from. So, but I think that totally counts because that's where they grew up. And yeah. so that's like the culture they right. they grew up in, lived into. Definitely. And then in addition to that, I don't know when there were 13 of us, but now that there are only eight of us who are here finishing out the, the rest of the course, between all of us, there are still about, eight or nine countries represented and I don't know a specific number but between everyone else there are about like 20 languages represented
1: Wow! wow.
3: yeah so I've learned I've learned a lot and like I said before at first that was very intimidating hmm. but it, it's actually it leaves a lot of room for me to yeah learn and grow from with my with my classmates and just like ask them questions because they're all very passionate about languages and love talking about it. And I think they all thought coming here, I could see how nervous some of them were to speak at all just because it's English is their second language. And now that I've been here with them for, yeah, almost like five months or however long it's been, it's been really fun to just see them grow. But then also like to see how I've grown with being able to understand a few of their words in german or french or italian or whatever and and that's been really fun too and yeah it's been a really a really cool experience being with such a small number of people but people who have such vast and colorful backgrounds not only in language and culture but also in our faith too which has been very eye-opening very humbling and yeah we all keep saying how we want to keep in touch for a long, long time and, and make sure that we follow each other on our respective journeys, you know, to wherever we end up. And it's just been a really, really cool experience being able to meet people from around the world who we all have the same goal and same mission in mind. But yeah, it's been really cool.
1: Yeah. And in, in a, a very real way, you've had sort of the full LBT prefield experience, because you served an internship with us as well, and, and there's a prior podcast episode about that that mm-hmm. uh, you can go back and listen to, hear all about Tiffany's internship. But for your current situation, how did your experience from Botswana, how do you feel that's been enriched or some things that are sort of aha moments now that you've been in this training? And
3: Yeah, so I, I wasn't aware of this coming here because I didn't know much about Wycliffe Bible Translators, but that's most of the, most of my classmates are a part of Wycliffe and that's what they're going into. And what they, what they are told to do is they take this training course and then they go on to an internship after this. And I highly recommend doing it the other way around because coming in with what little experience I did have from, I was only in Botswana for a little less than three months uh, is what it ended up being. But just that has helped me so much when it comes to the classes here because I can take what I learned about scripture engagement or the translation exegesis side of things from Carl and Kelsey Grohlke was really, really helpful. Whereas some of my classmates are kind of like, they know, they might know a couple languages and they might know how different cultures work that they grew up in or whatever. But when it comes to scripture engagement and scripture app building or translation and and those side of things, I, I know a few of them were a little bit like, oh, I don't have any experience with that. Whereas I was like, oh, thank goodness, I have at least even a picture of what that looks like because of my internship, because that really helped me to be able to participate in the class and build on that. Like, well, here's what I learned in Botswana. Maybe, you know, express my ideas or share with the class just, yeah, from the little experience that I had. But yeah, I think that in addition to that, I was learning Setswana while I was overseas for my internship. And I was I was doing all right at it. I was learning a little bit, but again, when you're only there for 10 weeks or so, it's kind of hard to keep it going once you leave. And now that I've come here and learned language learning strategies and how I best learn a language, which I did not know before going to Botswana, now I already have like a ton of ideas of how when I go back, I want to Kind of relearn the language yeah. um, because I realized, oh, maybe that's why I was struggling before mm-hmm. is because I wasn't actually learning in a way that is best for me. And now I kind of know what that way is. So when I go back, I can apply that and use it. And so it was just helpful to have that prior knowledge of, okay, I've, I've tried learning a, le- a foreign language before. Here's what worked, here's what didn't. And then yeah, using that with what I learned here and just being able to compare and contrast those experiences and what I want to do now
2: moving forward. So speaking of moving forward, so what's on the horizon for you, Tiffany? So like I said, I have six weeks
3: left here in England, which is just crazy. It's blown by, but I will be going home on, I think it's February 13th that I'll be heading back to the U.S. and then I will move forward from there by fundraising and finishing up all of that, which is going to involve visiting a lot of churches and friends and family and just yeah, keeping them up to date on what I've learned and what I'm doing. And then also preparing on the the overseas side of things by just getting paperwork done and all that technical stuff that you need to do in order to, to move overseas and maybe hopefully start meeting some of my future team members and keeping in touch with colleagues that are already over there, such as the Grokies and, and all that. And then the goal is to be over in Botswana by the end of summer of 2022. So just, yeah, not that far away, but. Yeah, <laughs> That's
0: quite a bit. Yeah.
1: Ishni, what's coming up for you? What are you excited about here as we roll into the new year?
0: Well, um, The big thing that's directly in front of me is related to online learning. Um, Online learning is an area that came into focus in early 2020, and so I found myself doing more in that area over the last couple of years. So what I'm working on right now with LBT colleague Dr. Chris Pluger is a course on translation and community engagement. We started working on a version of this for the Digital Training Library, which is a training platform hosted by Fuller Seminary that's designed for training translators in other countries. Right now, we're customizing it for use by LBT partners and turning it into an online course in Google Classroom. So we'll be able to make it freely available to whoever is interested, but we're starting with Makani Seminary in Ethiopia. And this course we're working on, it's like the one at Moreland's. It's, it's one that I think has been missing from our previous translation training efforts we've struggled with training people for certain aspects of translation project development because every context is unique and while there will always be similarities with other projects that have happened before or that are happening now we can never anticipate exactly what a project's challenges are going to be and the world is always changing and with these changes come new challenges and each translation project is going to have to navigate those and overcome them. And what excites me most about this course that we're working on is that it's not about giving people all the answers. It's about giving them the questions that they can ask in their own context to uncover the answers that are relevant to them. And so it builds on a lot of the the work that we've done in IPT with the international programs team, with project brief development, and yeah, I think it's it, it's really exciting. It's something that I'm hoping to roll it out to as many people as possible to fill in that hole that for even people who have been translators uh, or who have been working with translation projects in the field for years, I think that together, if we go through this process together, we're going to un- uncover a lot of answers that we haven't asked the questions about yet with each other and learn from each other. And so that's, that is what's exciting for me right now mm-hmm. and will be exciting for me for a few months I think Awesome. <laughs> until I get something to deliver on
1: that yeah <laughs> sounds great well we sure want to thank you both for being with us part of your morning Ishni, and part of your evening Tiffany and uh, great to spend some time with you and uh, talk about training and all the ways that God's at work and and uh, preparing for ministry and multiplying those efforts for others as well
2: yeah thank you ladies thank you thank you So I was having major flashbacks hearing Tiffany and Ishnu talking about all of the training components, especially phonetics and like, oh, I didn't know that my mouth could, you know, like make those sounds and what's even happening, but how it all ties together of being able to learn those more technical skills, but also having those soft skills of being able to interact with people from various backgrounds all around the world, and it's all for the, the sake of God's mission that having God's word in a person's own language and just the importance of community too in having that uh, as you're growing in your skills.
1: Yeah, absolutely. The the cross-cultural work is ultimately relational. You want to have the, the right skill set and tools to be able to access but ultimately uh, relational as well and it seems like a really good mix the way they talk about the the equipping and the things that are done to help prepare missionaries for intercultural service. And of course, Ishni then talked about uh, other types of training as well for the folks that are in the situations already at the national level and equipping them more with the the technical skills. But just the thing I like the the best is just uh, examining the situation, saying what's needed here, Mm -hmm. uh, ultimately, so that a person can be successful, can have their role in God's mission and lowering barriers to the gospel so that people can know Jesus as their Lord and Savior.
2: Right. And we want to encourage all of you that if you're looking for someone from Lutheran Bible translators to share at your congregation, to reach out, Tiffany Smith is going to be on partnership development and raising prayer and financial support. So definitely want to encourage you all to get in contact with us at info at lbt.org and see how we can get you connected with Tiffany.
1: Yeah. And if God is calling you to consider missionary service Or you, you know someone that you think You know this person I really think Would be good in missionary service We'd also love for you to be in touch with us At info at lbt.org And, and we can have a conversation And see where the Lord may be leading Thank you for listening to the Essentially Translatable Podcast Brought to you by Lutheran Bible Translators Look for past episodes at lbt.org Or on your favorite podcast platform Follow Lutheran Bible Translators' social media channels on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, or go to lbt.org to find out how you can get involved in the Bible translation movement and put God's Word in their hands. The Essentially Translatable podcast was produced and edited by Andrew Olson. Our executive producer is Emily Wilson. Podcast artwork was created by Caleb Rodewald and Sarah Lyons. Music written and performed by Rob Veit. I'm Rich Rodowski, So long for now.